to the sick alien uh what your face hasn't gone green one more time how do aliens organize a party <laughs> how tell me i will must they, know will they plan it painful oh hey guys well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Contagious Curiosity with Kat and Lainey. This is Lainey. Well, and I'm Kat. Yes, yes, and welcome to our, t- our show. I had something, and then as soon as I was about, like, it was coming out of my mouth, my brain just blinked. Well, you know, well, you know, I sure, I sure can help with that. Welcome to Contagious Curiosity. That's exactly all you had to say. How did you fuck that up? I know it was just the <laughs> welcome to our, and I don't even now remember what I was gonna say, but it wasn't show, and it just and it just ended like the the, the, <laughs> the brain went blank. That was wow. All right, the brain went blank. <laughs> Maybe I was just transported briefly before your own eyes. My mind You're making was jokes ahead of time. Are you making jokes ahead of time? <laughs> she's, she's making jokes ahead of time. Well, why don't Regardless. you introduce us, Kat? What's going I, on? I was gonna say actually. So I'm actually mega pumped. I've been pumped for days. I've been pumped since last week. For those who are out there, obviously itching and pining and like begging for this new episode. <laughs> There's got to be at least four of you by now. I mean, I get it. I'm so sorry that you had to wait an extra four days. I love you, you four people. Oh, we love so, you so much. There's more. There's obviously more. Anyways, so this episode, I just want to, I'm just mega excited because Lainey has always, like, when she talks about something and she, like, presents, she's a natural born writer. And so when she's kind of presenting you guys something or she's just impassioned by something, you know, it's wonderful, it's fulfilling, and it's terribly inspiring. And so when we were discussing like this week's episode and what we should do, I was like, I raised my hand like in the back of the room and I was like, Hey, so I have an idea. I just, I want to write about this topic. I want to write about the, the, uh, the Dulce base. And she was like, well, you know, go for it. And, um, what turned into something that was just supposed to be casual and sweet literally turned into, and this is, this is just why I'm so excited, a complete diving and scrubbing and nasty, just infectious sex fest with the dark web of the internet. And, um, I've, I've, you know, I've seen that video that before. Spent, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I think you yeah, were in yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, well, it makes sense. Cat galaxy, in case you're wondering, um, <laughs> regardless, the kind of the funny thing about this, like even before I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking to you guys about it is that most of this work was done while I was on the clock at my job. Oh, good. Yes. Definitely um, record that. And so there is now audio evidence. Beautiful. I was doing a great job. Regardless. <laughs> If it means anything, and none of you really need to know, but you're welcome, I literally just answer the phones and help with customer service questions. And I have never gotten a negative, a negative bit of feedback. I take no. You're fantastic. You only get I, I, the you best know, of reviews. I am. You are. You're I fucking only fantastic. Get the best of reviews. And so, regardless, in the in between times, I was just like, 
all right, let's start this thing and let's type this thing. And then I was like, oh my God, I have to click on this. The next thing you know, I have 25 tabs open and you know, all these rejected sites. That's obviously flagging something within my own IT department. And then it triggered my own paranoia. So the whole thing kind of fits in together with the theme of the episode, which is the Dulce base. And if you don't know what the Dulce base is, it's obviously an alien. Oh, is it obviously? (laughs) They might not know. They might not know. I mean, just like exactly. So let me just say, in case you don't know, it's obviously this. <laughs> it's obviously like you know, like if you haven't caught up at this point, like I mean, I it's really your own fault. We're not here to educate you, except that I is mean, exactly here, what we're here to do. Here, <laughs> if you're here, you should have figured it out ahead of time. Like, why are you here? Yeah, why are you the even here? Is is because I'm about to teach you something very prophetic. So it's going to change your lives. So, oh, yes, as Kat was it, saying, you know, motherfucking aliens, we're doing it. We're getting into it. It's happening. It's finally here. We've been talking about it. And um, I'm very, very excited. Well, this is the thing. This is the thing, too, is that you know, I called my father this week. <laughs> I, I, I'm laughing because it's, it's true. This is genuinely true. I called my father and I was like, hey, dad, you know, like, how's it going? Do you have some boxes? Do you want to help me with trash? So... Lainey and I are doing this podcast, you know, this week. All right. You know, completely uninterested. I love the man. But he's just like, anyways, you know, like, cool. What's going on? And I was like, so we're talking about the Dulce base. And he's like, immediately. Wow, you know, I think I saw that on the History Channel. I know I saw that on the History Channel. My father... My father is a coast to coast buff and when I was growing up and like literally we're, we're, you know, you know, in redneck country, not so redneck ourselves necessarily, but like in redneck country, Mm. we do dump runs on Saturday and it would be like six, seven o'clock in the morning and I'd be going and like, and it's an exciting with my dad. And it's coast to coast AM on and and they're talking about aliens and shit. And I remember just sitting in the living room with my dad in his recliner as he's just got like his, his, his iced tea. And he's watching the History Channel, and you know they're fucking talking about Bigfoot. They're talking about aliens, <laughs> and I just, I just laugh because it just, regardless, it just <sighs> brings up a core memory. And so when I told my dad about it, he's like, "Well, you know, I heard about that," and starts going into like what he knows. And I'm like, you know, I watched that episode too, Dad. I was like, that was like one of the, I did that on. It's stage called three, research, and I'm on. Yeah, I did that <laughs> on stage three, and I'm on stage sixteen. Have you heard about this, Dad? And he's like, he's like you know insert name here he's like he's like listen you know like you know i don't need to be caught up in looking and researching that kind of shit because i don't need the government looking after me because you know obama and biden you know like <laughs> oh, there he is where he, there where he is where he, where he has what's up Bill? How you doing? he has those goddamn faults oh my god he's like the most that's the funniest thing is he can go oh god i love it he goes dad. from right to left so quickly. He so fast. Anybody, but then all of a sudden, he, it's it's when he's in a mood to just piss somebody off because he's like, "Well, I've been bored for ten minutes." Yep. You know, oh, I might as well stir the shit pot a little and then walk away. <laughs> even if he doesn't mean it. I know. Even if he doesn't mean it. Even if he's just like, "Well, I wonder where this can get me." And that's a that. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. That is a classic conservative move. Well, I'm bored. I'm gonna see if I can piss off this person. Yep. Like. Anyways. Yep. That's Regardless. why that's why your dad and I get along the way we do though is because I don't fall for his traps and he just goes like he tries and I'm just like mhm 
actually, I'm going to talk to you like a person and we're going to debate and I'm not going to fall for your bullshit. And this is going to be a good conversation. And then a half hour goes by and he's just like, huh. <laughs> Anyways, who was going to get some fire for the wood? Yeah. You know? yeah. Or going to get some wood for the fire. I mean, everybody knows. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> so good. See you there. I will say that my family loves Lainey. My family loves Lainey and my family don't like many people. I mean, when I go to Thanksgiving and Christmas, there's about four or five of us there tops. You know, so like, yeah, they, they really do love Lainey. And that's the whole point. I remember, so my first relationship was actually full of a lot of that. So with my, one of my first long-term relationships, uh, you know, more of a progressive Democrat in the early or sorry, the late 2000s. So like 2006, 2010 progressive era, not what we have now, you know, so everybody identifies with it a bit differently. Just honestly, more just regular Democrat at that time. Yeah. And my father, my father would just kind of question him and he would look at my dad and he would just be super nice and super kind and like understand that my dad's just trying to fuck with him and then tell a joke and talk slightly about a subject and then be like, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> it works. It throws yeah, him off my guard. Dad uses politics for that fun. But anyways, moving on because we have a lot to talk we about. We do. Today. My god. So, um we're just going to move on. Um I just want to point out that I today if you had listened to an episode a couple episodes ago, um I had gone to North Conway in New Hampshire and I picked up all these amazing sodas. And I have been saving this one for an episode such as this and it's called Alien Snot. It's from a brand always ask for Avery's. It's literally, the motto on the bottle says, it's so disgusting. Totally bum, bum. gross soda. Yeah. And it's got this really cute little... Oh, he is adorable. I'm thinking, what does he remind me of? Oh, he reminds me of the little guy from Osmosis Jones. The first <laughs> guy. The, yep. first, the first guy with all, the, with all the eyes. With all the eyes that look like fingers. <laughs> you know? I've not watched that movie in far too long. It's been oh, I watched it. I watched it a couple weeks ago. That's fantastic. Gonna be honest, but the flavor on this is kiwi and blue raspberry. It's just a simple soda, um, and yeah, I'm very excited. Actually, hold on, are you ready for this? Mmm, delicious. Yeah, and if you hear animals growling in the background, it's because I've decided to not shut my bedroom door uh, where I'm recording, and my Chihuahua Dachshund mix is playing tug of war rope with my. Red Nose Pit Mastiff mix, and they are best friends. And They're so cute. To pick soon, honestly, best is the friends. So, so what are you drinking? Well, I here's the thing, I was <laughs> going to be drinking UFO Guava Lamp, which was delicious because it was alien themed and UFO themed. It just it was perfect, mm. and it's a limited seasonal release. And I was like, I bought it last week, and school kind of kicked my butt. That's why we're. Um, and I went to go see a show in New York City last week, so Kat and I weren't mm. able to record, so this was what like a see? whole thing. What did you see? I saw Last Podcast on the left, and my god, were they amazing. It was fantastic. Oh, it was such we, a great experience. I wish experience. we had more time. I wish we had more time in this episode to talk I know. about it, because you haven't talked to me about it yet. It's so good. But I was going to be drinking that, and I was like, I made a promise with myself that I was going to save some, and I have them, and I broke that promise to myself. So instead, um, I went to the fridge tonight, and I decided I would just mix a drink, because I still have too much liquor for my sister's wedding. And I found out the only thing I have to drink in my refrigerator at the moment is pickle brine. 
And as much as I do love pickle juice, just mixing it with either, you know, Jack Daniels or, I mean, Jim, Jim Beam or Tito's Vodka just didn't seem like the right move, even though that would have been pretty alien. Um, so instead... It would have been very cat of you. Well, I love picklebacks. Like, I love taking a shot of good whiskey and then taking a shot of, of pickle juice. Picklebacks are usually Fantastic. taken with bourbon, aren't they? I just always had it with like Irish whiskey, but I only usually Honestly, drink Irish I, whiskey. I, I'll drink Whatever. pickle juice or olive juice with any booze. I will, but it's just not a like sipping for like an hour kind of drink. So instead I got creative and this is a drink of my own. I had a, <laughs> a Lindy's Italian ice, <coughs> excuse me, and then put that in a cup and then just kind of poured some Tito's vodka over the top of it. And it has been slowly melting into this delicious, super sweet, super sugary, super delicious, super cold, yummy fucking drink. And I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty pleased with it. I'm thank, I'm very thankful that I had these Italian ices in there. Cause the only other thing I have are like Reese's peanut butter cup. Like, you know, those ice creams on a stick <laughs> that like. <laughs> you just pour vodka over <laughs> ice cream. Exactly. I, yeah, it didn't sound good. It didn't. This was the better option. So I don't here know. We are. I don't know. Here we are. Have to take. It depends on the. On, like, yes, I think you did really good, and here we are. However, what you were describing wouldn't seem so bad if it were paired with like ice cream, Kahlua milky kind of like you know i mean i'm sure there is a yes a way to do it properly and a way sorry i had to let my cat out of the room he was going to go crazy um and make it delicious but i do not have the ingredients for that it would have been like the dollar general (laughs) version of that drink and i could have oh i kind of want to now i want to put it in a martini glass Well, I don't, I don't just go on to Donald Randall's friend and go and get us some Maltese. Make me a goddamn drink. I don't care what we got. Just make me a goddamn drink. So that's where we're at. This, that's where we're at right now. I need to go food shopping. Desperately. Well, I've are been you ready? Off of just cheese sandwiches. Um, yes. No. All right. Anyways, I guys, am anyways. so excited. Are you ready for this fucking adventure? Yeah, I think I've just been in such a fantastic mood all day about it's it. So I'm good. Just, I mean, I'm so we're fucking honestly happy. further into our intro than we normally would yeah. be. Um, oh, I I miss her, by the way, guys. I miss her so much. Yeah, it's been a while since we talked. Sorry. This is we're getting all of our 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 love out now. Alright, so guys. Let's just go. Let's go. Let's fucking hopefully do it. Just, hopefully you just naturally zoomed past 10, 15 minutes and got here. <laughs> so, so, the Dulce base. Now, right off the bat, let me just get this out of the way. Because I've, between the videos that I've seen and the articles that I've read and the podcasts that I've listened to, te- the technical word here is Dulce. Dulce. I'm not going to do it with an accent because I don't have to be that kind of fucking dick. But it's not dulce. I want to say Thank dulce. Thank you for saying. I want to say. I want to say dulce. I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to. Let's be honest. It's and to not be honest correct. with you. I flub up my words most of the time, anyways. So like, you call I? it dulce. I call it dulce. <laughs> yeah, the, dulce. You, dulce. you got uh, you, you got the both the best of both worlds here. I as well am learning Italian on Duolingo. <laughs> Anyways, 
Anyways, so the Dulce base, hear me out, is located in New Mexico on the Archuleta Mesa, home to an Apache tribe reservation, 200 miles from Albuquerque and just over 300 miles from Roswell, where the first reported UFO crash is said to have taken place in 1947. It is nestled perfectly within the continental, continental divide, and the base itself is visually more of an open natural space, the size roughly of like four and a half miles, and honestly, once again, more of a natural plateau than a visible military base. When we imagine military bases, we think of structures built and roads and passageways and it's, yeah, barbed you know, wire. The barbed wire and you know there's a guy at the front going Guns. you got your you know you got your id you know where's your military id that doesn't exist here that being said the legend and history surrounding the area would have one questioning whether or not there is truth to this the base is claimed to be over four miles in diameter and nearly two miles deep containing seven stories or floors and and a natural airstrip on the mesa itself all of which have different purposes and uses. The base is said to be connected to a massive underground spidering of tunnels sprawling nationally from west to east coast and even connecting globally. Much of the speculation and public awareness in recent decades seemed to stem from a man stating he was employed as a security guard for the base, Thomas Costello. Costello! Thomas, a self-professed whistleblower told an account of his events in an interview this interview had no interviewee per se but it is widely speculated and accepted that the interviewee was bruce allen de walton known to many online as branton author of countless ufo texts which circulated on bulletin board systems in the days of the proto-internet most of his writing usually consists of a juicy pulp fantasy focusing on a network of underground lizard alien vampires yes. burrowed into high-tech lairs beneath the American Southwest. It's my kind of guy. His interpretation of the reptoid conspiracy pits the evil satanic draconians against the noble forces of Christ. In this interview, Thomas detailed his accounts of what exactly was going on at Dulce sparking one of the biggest and most almost unbelievable theories in our coexistence with the small greys and reptilians living beneath their own feet. He stated that he worked closely with the greys in the base, accessing their crafts and having access to them and communicating on a daily basis. He mentions the animosity the reptilians have against the humans and our attempts to destroy their work on the sixth and seventh levels, which we will get to and discuss the actual structure itself at a later time. Regardless, the latter of this interview goes into detail about how a battle erupted within the base, taking the lives of 72 humans with no extraterrestrial loss. Now, let's take a moment here to gather our thoughts and refer to the alleged interviewee. Branton himself is a science fiction writer. Though this does not discredit entirely his release of the interview, it does make one question how much of his exaggerated, beyond-belief, ideal way of kind of writing things should be into question. I myself want to believe. So, naturally, 
I dug deeper and I found myself in the chasms of the web surfing the fine line of story and absolute possible reality. Now, right here in the get-go, let's just get into details of the base, more specifically the geography and geology of the area and the theories of underground basing before going into the details of the base and facility itself. I just want to point this out that I did a tremendous amount of research on topics in regards to the area itself and the proof of wanting to like expose the area itself before I go into the theory of the base itself. So brace yourself. And if you're a slight bit annoyed, just fast forward to, you know, a one hour 10, you know, we'll see where we're at then. Dulce base is located on the Archuleta Mesa. The composition of the mesa itself consists of one foot or less of topsoil. The exposed rock is a columnatory, a columnatory, so columns, <laughs> col columnatory uh, basalt, which is fragile and would not support heavy drilling itself. So just imagine, like, can I can I stop uh, I you for a second? Yeah. Winnie is tearing apart your blanket behind you. What am I going to do? Just let it happen. <laughs> Regardless, the fragile. I'm sorry. I just oh, the little tail lag. <laughs> the tail lag. Usually, too. I had, I had like, the images of, like, a specific kind of rock I was about ready to describe to you. I'm so sorry. The moment sorry. I turned around. No, no, no. Good. The moment I turned around, she was like, you know what? Just let her rip it up. It's cheap. I bought the blanket at Walmart. Regardless, I'm so sorry. Don't, I was trying to help. <laughs> don't worry about it. I'm not cutting out any of this. So, columnatory basalt. Now, by the way, so like let's let's just let's just have a visual together if you don't know anything about rocks. So, a columnatory columnatory columnatory. You got it. It is it is what it is. I don't give a shit. Y'all know what I mean. Imagine these kind of fragile rocks that like when you smash on them with a hammer, you know, they kind of crumble in place and, you know, you can take them as trophies. In regards to building material, it should be stated that this is garbage. It is fragile and it would not support heavy drilling in regards to building. Starting at the valley of the ground, it starts to expose more just solid basalt. So you go from this teeny bit of topsoil to like these very long strips that you would see exposed in the mesa itself. Like when you're looking at, oh my God, this is a beautiful photo. Look how, look how textured everything is. Look how gorgeous this is. Great. And then you go to like where you're at on the ground in the bottom of the valley and the basalt starts to form itself more solid like, and even though when you drill into it, it still breaks up a bit, it's still a little bit more formed than what's been exposed for millions of years. It is followed underneath that layer of ground that you are walking on by a heavy bedrock of sandstone. Now, why the geology of the area is so important is kind of imagining that you have some kind of badass drilling machine. So like, so why does it matter? Okay. You have a badass drilling machine. Have you ever seen the movie Atlantis? Of course. The, the little moan, mole guy. Yeah. The little bowl guy. All right, so hear me out. So imagine that you have something like this from the movie Atlantis, and if you haven't heard of it, it's 2001. It's Look it up. Cartoon. Stop being such a nerd. Okay. <laughs> now, 
Remember that guy, though? Honestly, he had a giant truck fit with a winding drill to help him burrow the way through the areas untouched. Nearly impossible, obviously, to access in 1914, which is where the movie took place. But, you know, unless, of course, you're an asteroid flying through the planet itself, it's Or unless you have alien technology. Cat. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that something? Isn't that something? So when you have a drilling machine like this and you're working with geology such as what the Mesa is actually made of, you may find that simply drilling into the rock is only going to displace and shatter what you're seeing before you. The beautiful majestic thing that you see before you. It doesn't really sound like an ideal way to tunnel and create a base as massive as Dulce is really claimed to be. Plus, that machine does not exist. (laughs) So let's just move past that. It does not exist. So I guess we have to stop here. Because it's impossible. Guess so. That's it. End of episode. (laughs) Well done. Anyways, page two. (laughs) (laughs) So it turns out that the drill he had was not entirely inconceivable. In fact, it turns out that we had this technology since June 11th of 1972. The Rand Corporation, a U.S. patented company or a U.S. a U.S. company that patented, patented, patented documents are readily available to view. Sorry, my bad. Gosh, I just got over. I got over the top there. Detailing, though. So these patents that were created in the early 70s, are literally available to view. You can even look them up online. They detail thermonuclear boring machines and their potential and capability. Bechtel, which you're going to hear a few times, B-E-K-T-E-L-L, is a construction and engineering firm and is described by many UFO enthusiasts to be an international corporate quote-unquote octopus <laughs> that is really the shadow government's working arm of CIA. I just want to say that I understand that that line itself has been repeated about 5,000 times, but when you're doing the research based on this topic, that line has literally been said 5,000 times. Mm-hmm. It's almost bizarre how... It's like when, you, you know, when you're like listening to Fox News and they say the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. That one sentence, you literally can Google... And it's in multiple. They're just playing. It's fine. Yeah. The, the Yelp in the background is not anything yeah. to worry about. Yeah. Don't it's worry. okay. So there are documented and accessible images of these boring machines patented by the Rand Corporation being used near Los Alamos, Nevada in the 1970s. The same company, Bechtel, developed plans that detailed the potential underground scope of the tunnels that are possibly built and could be built by these machines. Um, Now, the thing about these boring machines that make them different from our friend Mole here, you know, from Atlantis, is that these are nuclear-powered. A big no-no at the time, and obviously terribly dangerous. They are designed in scope to take in the rubble and the rock and superheat it and push it through the propelling mechanisms and flatten it out by the machine itself on its way forward, creating a smooth lining accessible and safe to those who want to walk through it after them, just completely behind them. Obviously, it takes some time, but everything cools and you just have this circular, awesome, badass hole that is content. So no matter if the material around you crumbles and is poor to build on, or if the material itself is too hard to crumble through, this machine breaks through it with super heat and just eliminates that waste before you. Now, 
these corporations with their phalanges, I chose a different <laughs> word, reaching globally are said to have connected these subterranean tunnels with one another, creating a world of underneath, creating a world underneath us, spanning globally. Now, these tunnels are said to be electromagnetically powered and can push underground trains at the speed of light using vacuum and magnet tech. All of what I'm saying to you is very generic and very specific, and it's going to go into a tremendous amount of detail later. So I just want to point this out. This is the image of the world that we're trying to create ahead of you. The number of the bases said to connect to these underground massive tunnels are almost unimaginable in scope, and there is not a full understanding of what they actually do. But we do know there are entrances, entrances to these bases everywhere around the world. They're main, mainly and many equally fascinating and obsess on oh my god i'm getting too into this and i'm reading it I'm, i i want to i'm getting ahead of myself <laughs> is what's happening so i'm reading from my own writing but i'm like immediately thinking of something like four paragraphs ahead because i'm just so excited Going back. i know i totally understand you get it you i do i, mean? I like, totally do like i get so to excited and know what's coming because i wrote it and then like, yeah no for sure I need to slow it down. So there are many equally fascinating and unsubstantiated stories of subsurface tunnels in South America. Brazil specifically has long been a hot point of inner earth belief and several organizations devoted to its perpetuation maintain active chapters in the country's major cities. The discovery of a new hole in the ground or a strange cave or an ancient temple will send a frantic horde of hollow earth investigators pouring into the locale. Many of their writings read like the frantic scribblings of madmen, while others are rational and well-written and fascinating, even if they are a bit bizarre. I may have just jumped ahead there, so I just want to... I think it all fits in there, so I just... Anyways, we're moving on. So this is the whole thing because the next thing is like a whole thing for me because I'm a big cinema freak and I'm, I love fantasy and I love all these things. And I just think about the amount of times this kind of story has been told in theaters. A well-known English explorer. This is real people. A well-known English explorer, uh, Colonel Fawcett disappeared in the jungle several years ago. He was searching for a tunnel entrance into the subterranean world in the Recondor mountains when he disappeared. He was not likely killed by the natives, and they assume that he is living in a cavern city beneath Roncondor Mountains. His son Jack is also with him. They are well treated, but they are not allowed to return to the surface because they would reveal a location of an entrance. So what I'm doing right here is like connecting several stories of like all these moments in history where people take these fascinations and legends and connect them to something underground. Because lore kind of develops over time depending on where you are nationally and where you are regionally. And I think it's just really important to be able to connect these similar stories and lores and legends way beyond cinema. Like, we're talking hundreds of years ago, these people were writing things down and telling these stories. And they all seem to kind of have a similar fascinating connection. So he writes, The entrance to the cavern city is carefully guarded by the Mercigo Indian tribe. They are ferocious, with a highly developed sense of smell. You must obtain their approval before you can enter the caverns. However, if they decide you are not worthy to share the secret, they will seldom allow you to return even to civilization. In fact, 
Many of those who have gathered and scoured for information over the course of a hundred plus years state that many of the known entrances are often on sacred native land. Countries such as North and South America, Canada, Scotland, British Columbia, East and Central Asia are all a part of these places that share very similar stories and lore, way beyond and before television. <laughs> oh, oh, I love it. Now, many of these entrances are fleeting to the eye, whether it be a hatch discovered in a field in Scotland, leading to an underground tunnel, an area in between buildings in a city, Toronto, leading to a passage of sorts, caves and caverns on the sides of mountains, or access through a facility such as a military base itself, or hell, even a resort in West Virginia, and we'll get into that a bit later. All seem to confirm that regardless of where these openings are, they all lead to a vein into a massive underground city with populations of thousands, possibly more, equipped to support life with functioning streets, electric cars, housing, and even malls. Dulce itself is said to have 1,700 paved miles of road extending towards Los Alamos, which another un underground base is said to be, with 800 miles of its own paved roads. The Jesus. significance of Dulce and Los Alamos is significant in extent. Los Alamos is the home of Los Alamos National Laboratory, the United States Department of Energy's National Laboratory initially organized during World War II for the design of nuclear weapons, such as the Manhattan Project itself, is, and it's just a short distance northwest of Santa Fe, New Mexico, in the southwestern United States. Like, all of these things tend to be connected in a lot of what I'm about to talk to you about. Los Alamos was selected as a top-secret location for the bomb design in the late 1942 and officially commissioned the next year under the management of the University of California. At the time, it was known as Project Y and was the Center for Weapon Design and Overall Coordination. Other labs, today known as Oak Ridge National Laboratory and the Hanford Site, concentrated on the production of uranium and plutonium bomb fuels. Los Alamos was the heart of the project. 1947, okay? Collecting some of the world's most famous scientists, among them numerous Nobel Prize winners. We're going to get into some of that little fact later. 1947. The lab's existence was announced to the world in the post-World War II era when it became known universally, universally as Los Alamos. Simple. In 1952, the Atomic Energy Commission formed a second design lab under the direction of the University of California in Berkeley, becoming the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory. Since that date, the two labs have competed on a wide variety of bomb designs. With the ending of the Cold War, both labs turned their focus increasingly to civil, like civilian missions. Today, Los Alamos is one of the largest science and technology institutions in the world. It conducts multidisciplinary research in fields such as national security, space exploration, nuclear fusion, renewable energy, medicine, nanotechnology, and supercomputing. I'm just going to come back here because... What I'm about to go into, I mean, like, I don't end necessarily refer it in the end here, but, like, the amount of progressive things that have happened at, in U.S. history, like, the biggest things in our existence, in our 
parents' existences and our grandparents' existences happened in this fucking facility. And we often seem to wonder, oh gosh, you know, bless Jesus, that's how it happened. No. (laughs) No. No. No, that's not just how it happens. Anyways, the town of Los Alamos, New Mexico, directly north of the lab, grew extensively through this period. Once again, this is now the early 50s bringing in new go- new development and community it became the perfect explanation for massive machinery being brought in and breaking ground on massive tunnel systems <laughs> honestly when you have something there and then you're like i'm gonna build this thing here okay so now we're gonna bring in all of this stuff and we're gonna develop and develop and develop and develop except what you think we're developing is actually underground <laughs> jokes on you no joke here i know i see you Dulce itself may not be as visually prestigious in tech. It was absolutely, though, the home of some new development in 1947 that the town and surrounding inhabitants claim they never saw the fruits of. So, oh, the road was built near the Dulce base under the cover of a lumber company. Yet no lumber was ever hauled and the road was later destroyed. Local natives stated that they would see large pieces of machinery go into the mesa, into the grounds, pass through the town, but there was literally no supply or payload ever. Now we're now okay. Let's talk about let's 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 talk about our natives. Let's talk about oh, these people are fascinating and, and and enriched and culturally sensitive people. These people they tell stories by word of mouth. They're not just telling you a joke. Like they 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 withhold they they hold and withhold certain information from you based on who you are and what you're worth knowing. And these are people admitting all these things are going in and nothing's coming out. If there was a secret, they would hold a secret. I just want to say that. If they were a part of the secret, they would hold the secret. I just want to say that. (laughs) Now let's take a, let's take a second to process what we know. So Los Alamos base was established in 1943. The first reports of a UFO crash was in Roswell, globally, in regards to, um, in the newspaper, in 1947. So, Los Alamos, a big tech base, was created in 1943. Four years later, the Roswell crash. The first known groundbreaking in Dulce was in 1947, the same year as the Roswell crash, though some speculate that army began construction in the late thirties, regardless what late thirties, you got early forties, you know, you got things still connected. The first patented proof of the first thermonuclear drill was published in 1972. The base itself was allegedly operable in 1979 with the bulk of the building taking place in the late, in the late 1960s. However, the first established roots of the base are disputed in the late thirties and early forties. So like you have these like conflicting and interestingly connected combination of events. Now what the natives surrounding the Dulce base do know is that there are many accessible tunnels some reaching distances of over 14 miles. And this is, All is, this, this, is that fact? Is that yes. Like, okay. That's yes. Yeah. So those, are, those are coming insane. from guides. So those are coming from guides. 
So you can, so even, so the History Channel, I know it seems silly, but the History Channel did an expose and they went there and they did a whole show Mm -hmm. and they did an article and an essay online and they did reference certain people, their credentials, everything. They did everything in that regards to what like the History Channel seems to do. And the only, I mean, this is the information that's out there. This is it. And most everybody else doesn't want to talk about it. So the 14 mile tunnel is actually reported from a guide who is an Apache um, reservation member that like when you go to the town and you visit because they understand where tourism is, they, they, they bring you up to certain places and they, and they, you know, they, they, they take you up with those, um, you know, those machines with like the, uh, the tracks on them, the circuit, the triangular tracks. What do they call those? Oh, um, they I have don't like know. A triangular I know exactly what you're talking about. There or there's somebody else. It's yelling an off road right winter now. thing. Yeah, I know, I know this. But regardless, so he does that and he brings them up to these certain areas and then when people are very interested and want to know a little bit more, he's like, Yeah, and he points to certain areas and then he's like, mm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take you there. And they're like, Oh why? You know, is it money? And he's like, No, I'm I'm just not gonna take you there. <laughs> like, I'm not doing it. And, you know, they don't talk about they don't talk about it, which I think is, is a cultural disconnect in that, in that regards to like what you and I do and, and how we exist. And we just want to know more and more and more and more mm-hmm. versus other culture where they're just like, this is ours. This is what we need to know. It's, it's, we don't have to share it. And honestly, it brings us even a, a deeper sense of mystery. And also I just believe it more. Yeah. I just believe it more. Oh, I just believe it more, but regardless. So it is a real thing. That, that just outside of Dulce Base, um, there is one specific tunnel that is 14 miles long in, in diameter, and it is a circular tunnel. Now, all of this is known to the public, and the hike over the mesa obviously can be treacherous, treacherous as times, and those who visit require the guide to keep them on track and safe. However, that being said, the guides are willing to take you, um, you know, as far as... Uh, as far as like the actual towers, like the the television towers and the radio towers mm-hmm. themselves, but anything beyond that, um, anything that they report as vents, uh, they they choose not to dis- disclose for reasons unknown. In fact, it does genuinely seem to be a common occurrence with native tribes who have access to entrances to these underground hallways and veins globally. So, in regards to like folks who keep tradition in their regards. Um, they tend to, if you have, if they have access on their land, it is in their duty to keep it safe and keep it secret, as Gandalf would say, which kind of makes sense for <laughs> us safe. too, because where, where me, where we may not use superstition, uh, we do use iron doors, um, which honestly there, there is that too, with a lot of these underground bases, like just simple iron hatches in the middle of nowhere, just exposed, you know, like deal with it with metal. So whether it be superstition or an overall respect for century old traditions to protect the knowledge of what they know, we know one of this is certain. There is a tremendous amount of coincidence surrounding the timing and events of some of the most famous and hidden secrets secrets in our own government. And they have spent billions of dollars covering these things up. In fact, there have been hundreds of reports from Dulce locals and law enforcement detailing bizarre events from animal mutilations to abduction reports over decades. The only fiscal evidence found is stated to not be from the outside of the planet even. 
A New Mexico State Trooper, Gabe Valdez, said that the only evidence he found in the late 1970s was not even alien-like. While investigating reports of cattle mutilation, he found gas masks, monitoring equipment, helicopter activity, and based on that wind pattern and the impressions in the ground, discovered that it wasn't necessarily alien. It was entirely government. Ba-ba-ba-bum! Honestly, and this is, but it's kind <laughs> yeah. of a part of it. It's kind of a part of it. Yep. He stated, yep. he stated they, they, quote, hit the cattle with a tranquilizer and they took the lymph nodes. The consequences would be life-threatening if any information obviously were to get out at that time from witnesses, so why not let's scare the shit out of them? You know, like, why not just do something in the in the yeah. 70s? You know, once again, this was like the era of the serial killer. Imagine people were, like, leaving their like leaving their doors unlocked, and they were like, oh, my God, why are people killing me? You know, like, we were in this, <laughs> in this phase of life of trust, and so they were just like, oh, do something weird and, you know, kill them and mutilate them, and nobody will question anything. They'll, they'll blame it on some, some kind of... Some kind of myth and legend, which to me honestly makes perfect sense in regards to conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Because why not create something out, out, outer worldly and silly and almost unbelievable to cover up what is believable? I was literally talking to my partner about this last night. We were having this conversation before bed, and I was just like, "It is so much easier to like not dispel, it. yeah." like crazy beliefs or anything and feed into it and be like and you know the guy shouting from the back of the room like it's aliens and then the rest of the crowd goes it's aliens <laughs> it's like, yes. oh my god my favorite. because it is it, and it and it's a good way to cover up you know like the worst shit that is actually happening if you can have people believe that, like... Create hysteria. Yeah, create hysteria. Like, create this insane theory. And then you've got people who are so against it. You've got the non-believers who think that the other ones are crazy. And then you've got the people who are so into it that they they kind of are crazy. And so you've, you're always... Like, they're never going to agree. They're always going to butt heads. And then whoever, you know, gets to keep doing all the crazy fucked up shit that they're doing while the rest of us are, are fighting against bullshit. Or, like, each other Honestly. over bullshit. Honestly, it must be so difficult for them these days. Well, think about it. Even we're also, sorry, we're also desensitized. No, mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Like the fact of what you're saying is, think about how easy it was then. Yeah. Versus now, when people are like, ah, uh, you know, I, I literally, I'm infatuated with Jeffrey Dahmer and, and yeah. all these and, and Ted Bundy. Oh, the sexual like nature Ugh. around Ted Bundy is so bizarre to me. But we live in a society these days where people like hypersexualize and hyperfantasize about certain things. It's got to be harder. Yeah. They got to they got to be smarter. Back then, all you have to do is. You know, pull an American horror story. There's a crazy clown. There's a crazy clown on the loose. You know, <laughs> kill a mutant. Well, I mean, think of fucking um, MK Ultra. Like people oh, who originally, yes. you know, believed in MK Ultra were considered crazy conspir- conspirists that, like, you know, didn't know out were, of like, wordly, out of like, control. Out of and now it's world. just like. And by the way, that was all true. So, <laughs> or. Like, yeah, there there have been so many things that have happened that are, like, so if that's coming out, if that's being disclosed as truth and acceptable, just think of all the stuff that is honestly, deep and buried and hidden. Yeah, because honestly, the consequences genuinely would be life-threatening. Yeah. And if any information were to get out from witnesses, 
this, you know, or the spec or genuinely, but the speculation that humans did this is stronger to many educated and fact oriented people than divisive acts such as UFO activity to the cloud to cloud up the truth. Yes. Like, so there was, so himself, so Gabe Valdez himself told the history channel in an interview that there was lots of military. Now this is the same man who found these mutilations, like the history channel. Yes. I know it seems goofy, but the man did on camera have an interview with these people. So I'm taking it. So he says there was lots of military helicopter activity taking place during this period of time. You could see them flying over the town and it was obvious government helicopters. There was nothing UFO about them. We have a long way to go. <laughs> please do not let you shut this off buckle this up because this is very important he also stated that if aliens were of such high level of intelligence why would they leave all this fiscal evidence behind because everybody because they don't want you to actually know there's something fucking weird and bizarre going on they just want to make it seem like some weirdo is doing it <laughs> it's easier it's easier in a weird way for so many Americans to accept that their neighbor will do something fucking weird and bizarre to them than there are aliens. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry that we live in a society where we're like, somebody's going to walk up to my ring camera and they're going to rape my children. Nobody's ever expecting an alien to walk up to your ring camera and rape your children. Nobody's doing this. I, well, I okay. fucking am. I don't know what you're talking about. I speak for now. yourself. Really God. <laughs> speak. Do, do not speak on my behalf. <laughs> literally happened last week being so, insensitive regardless though of the cattle mutu uh, mutilation that was not the only evidence reported the same trooper recalled an event that he responded to about 40 miles from dulce itself this is a big one so in the late 70s i'm sorry if i sound a little congested nose is a little stuffy regardless i'm going to keep talking so the same the same sheriff that honestly, when a lot of these things were happening, which in the future conversation is going to kind of expose the time that things were going on and when things were being built, when things were being used, this was the late seventies. So just keep it in mind. He reported to an event 40 miles from his own hometown. When he showed up, he sees some cattle mutilation. You know, it's not, it's not normal. It's, you know, but, you know, it is a bit bizarre. So he discovers a human fetus was left inside of a cow, mm. along with parts from a monkey and a frog found in a separate cow. Mm. Now, in one cow, the cow with the human fetus, there were no bones left in the head. It had been pumped full of water. It appeared as if the cows were being used realistically as an incubation chamber. When found, they were open and exposed from the, like, the torso down. The cow and, or the baby? Yeah, the cow. The cow. The cow was, like, torn open. It had a bulbous head filled with liquid and no bone in the scalp area. It did, it didn't have any, it didn't have any skull. Yeah, yeah. That's it, fucking weird. So no skull, entirely like alien-oriented looking, kind of bulbousy looking, and its stomach had been sliced open. <sighs> On the side, <laughs> you got this. 
On the side of the cow's head was sewn on the ear of a human. And two of these, I know, I know, I know what you're about to do. I know. know. The, the two, so the two cows that were found, one with the monkey and the frog embryos and one with the human fetus, they were found to have head lice. If you know anything about animals, they don't just get head lice. Now, it doesn't seem that aliens also would get head lice. It does seem that humans would get head lice and in an unsanitary and an unsafe environment or something unregulated and disgusting and putrid, this could form. Give me 40 minutes to explain. (laughs) Now, remember when science boasted that they were able to grow an ear on a mouse? Mm -hmm. Going into a tangent. We're going into a Mm -hmm. classic tangent. In the late 1990s, Dr. Charles Vencanti... Joseph Vincanti and Bob Langer wanted to create human organs in a laboratory. They experimented with creating biodegradable scaffolds or structures that could dissolve easily inside of a body. One day, Joseph Vincanti heard his colleague complain that it was difficult to create new ears for patients who lacked ears because the ears had an odd and complex shape. Now think of burn victims. Mm-hmm. The irony fact that prompted the birth of the mouse ear project in the late 1990s led by charles vacanti an expert in stem cell and tissue engineering the same year he tried to attempt to help his brother create this ear and they were able to grow a small piece of human cartilage on a biodegradable scaffold the scientists then decided to make a scaffold shaped like a human ear and they put the cartilage cells from a cow on it cartilage in a semi-rigid tissue right rigid tissue found in the human ear nose and chest the scientists then selected a line of mice that was immunocompromised meaning its immune system did not reject foreign bovine cells they anesthe uh anest- uh they they put it to sleep <laughs> they put it to sleep they made the decision and they placed the ear shape under its skin as expected The body of the mouse feeds on the bovine cartilage cells, and when the scaffolding dissolves, the mouse is left with the shape of an artificial ear without an eardrum. We're talking just the cartilage shape. The image itself, it's like glowing something. Yeah, it's the outside of the ear. It has nothing to do with the inside. The world was amazed, obviously, when all of the major news agencies shared a picture of the mouse known as the Vacanti Mouse, ear mouse or ear moose wearing a human ear was exposed with great excitement. Most expressed fear while others expressed outrage attributing the ethical aspects of such experiments. <laughs> now, taking this into consideration, South Park jokes aside, that's all I could think about when I was reading this was South Park with the ear <laughs> yeah. and Mr. Garrison growing his dick on the back of a mouse. Oh, yes. It's common belief among more than many conspiracy nuts like ourselves that when the reported crash in walls roswell occurred suddenly we started to see a tech boom like no other in our history roswell was in 1947 which obviously in regards to roswell and the tech boom and everything happening after world war ii we can also thank operation paperclip Woo! As well. 
you know, you know <laughs> I, I, wait. stated that. Can I, can I just take that woo back? Yeah, I, I am not wooing it. for Operation Paperclip. I am no, wooing I for the fact that I was just talking about Operation Paperclip tonight <laughs> with my partner. So <laughs> we're just tying honestly, in a whole lot of stuff. Fucking Operation Paperclip, man. If honestly, you, though, that's mm. the thing. That's the thing, right? No, so say it because that's the thing because... When did everything change? It was after World War II. Yes. We, the, uh, this change? is why you, you hate it. You hate it. But certain, to get places in science, it takes crazy minds. It takes minds that think way the fuck outside the box. And unfortunately, after World War II, the United States took on a whole lot of Nazi scientists. I mean, and gave them the new progression identities. of the future. Wouldn't you also kind of do the same when Hitler literally kidnapped and imprisoned half of the, the the best minds in the world? I mean, yes, some of them were devoted to Hitler, but some of them were just kidnapped scientists. Yeah, yeah, practically. Yeah, that were German. That were German. That happened to be Russian. German, and that needed, you know, like what are you gonna do? Like, I, I, I know it's I, not what are you gonna do because that sounds. So wrong. There are a million right. no, things you I, can do. There are a million right options the to make to not become a Nazi. However, it happened. We have to accept that it happened. And we can look at that absolute fucking atrocity that was brought on by humans to other humans. You can hold that in your viewpoint and also at the same time accept that we would not have made advances in science and technology without them you can hold those two opposing views simultaneously because we are humans and our brains are capable of doing this now of course your emotions want to take over and you don't want to accept it of course but also at the same time we are reasonable animals we have the ability to reason and so you must be able to accept that we are where we are today we got to the fucking moon because of operation paperclip well that's true Okay, so everything you're saying is true, but if we're talking about 1947... I'm sorry, I just had to justify my woo, because I didn't... <laughs> I had, you, I had to... justify. I Thank you. I, I, thank honestly, you. I you got the up, seal of approval. You brought up more points. No, it's not, it's not just that. You brought up... You brought up everything that wasn't written down for me <laughs> in regards. Like, I, th- I feel like that's key. I feel like that's key, because when I reference operation paperclip i think of this specific event in time Mm -hmm. i am not talking about the other things that they have done or humanizing anybody i don't think about humanizing uh, anybody from operation paperclip when we have to accept and understand that not everybody was a hitler loving nazi uh regardless of that conversation that is its own conversation god that's a goddamn good good episode we should do operation paperclip it is it is deep Yeah, because the only time that I really reference Operation Paperclip is in this moment when I discuss that in 1947, simultaneously with the Roswell, like, craft cross, like, uh, crash, and the integration of many of these scientists, we notice literally in this fucking year, if you look at it yourself, you don't, you don't have to, like, it's not that bizarre to notice that we had a bizarre and insane and an important tech boom 
industrial and tech boom between 1947 and 1949. It literally exists. Fucking yeah. look it up. Look at how many corporations boomed. Look at the stocks booming. Look at how many corporations like literally made money. Look at how many families stayed home. Look at how many people were buying new appliances and buying televisions. Look how many new programs were released. How much was exposed to our society. It we were always like, oh God, imagine living in the fifties. Yeah. Well, did you think about what happened in the late forties? Yeah, imagine and why the fifties was so why do we look at the fifties and we're like, oh my God, everything was so magical. That's glamorous. We were literally introduced to everything what we have now can be thanked to the late 1940s, regardless of what you believe yep. and how it and happened. And how it makes you the feel. The late 1940s yeah. created the 50s, which creates, believe it or not, <laughs> 70, 80 years later, the life that we live now. So it was. it's literally stated that at all times, the tech bases like Dulce and the military-industrial complex itself is always 30 to 40 years ahead. My parents even said that to me when I was a kid. Oh, the the military is always way ahead of us. Yep. Okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, because it's they so have to weird be. that cattle mutilations with sewn-on ears happened in the late 70s, and now we're growing ears in the 90s. It's so weird and very coincidental. <laughs> so, overall, interesting fact. 1,143 reported witnesses and or abductees were reported as of 2021. <laughs> now, this is just in New Mexico. The data started to collect in 1947. So 1947 to 2021. 1,143. Doesn't seem like much. That's quite a bit. That's a pretty big but number. Quite a bit. Now, this data obviously started to collect after the Roswell crash, which is about 300 miles away from Dulce itself. So New Mexico, honestly, like if you want to know why there seems to be so much Midwest attraction to abductees, literally stay here until the end because I will explain. <laughs> there honestly have been thousands of other reported events across the United States. The significance of the reports in New Mexico are more dense, though, in comparison. We obviously know the reports given by abductees seem to be nearly identical in many ways, with experimentation and monitoring, including implantation, poking and prodding, loss of time, jumping distances without knowledge, and overall memory loss, paranoia, and flashes of lights, and witnesses to greys short and tall. A lot of people report that they are taken. Whether they see a flash of light or not varies. But overall, they are taken to somewhere otherworldly with machinery they don't recognize. Or they are on a table with a, in a bright room, waking with greys above them and surrounded by medical professionals, regardless of greys in a suit or human. The point brings me entirely to our next point of conversation the Dulce base itself. Now, it is important to note that before we get into the details of the base, it should be stated that there is no actual military base seen in this area. The towers that set on top of the Archuleta Mesa 
are television and radio towers that do seem a bit ominous to the eye, obviously until you get a bit closer to them and realize they are just television and radio towers. <laughs> there is, however, a ranch adjacent to the Mesa, northwest of Dulce, that was speculated by many to be a CIA operation entrance into the base. Now, once again, with many things that I'm about to discuss, like there's legend mixing with like rumor mixing with bizarre reality and truth. So like it's something seems so goofy because they are supposed to seem so goofy. Honestly, honestly, in my, in my opinion, I feel like a lot of things are turned into a joke these days so that people are like deterred away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 60, 70 years ago, they were deterred away by like fear. So they were like, they or were the, thrown away by fear, yeah. And now they're thrown away by like, oh, how goofy and silly and unnecessary this is. So the National Institute for Discovery Sciences, also known as NIDS, headed by Las Vegas billionaire Robert Bigelow, also known as Bigelow Aerospace, reportedly had made an investigation in 1998 regarding regarding, regarding. Yes, this. <laughs> How very Kathy Bates of me. This <laughs> suspicious ranch. Regarding. However, the following report itself by the NIDS regarding this ranch seems to be a little bit more suspicious now. Quote from the original NIDS report. Quote. It has been reported in the media and on the internet that the Reading War Ranch, located at 37 degrees 2 point nine one north latitude and a one of seven degrees one point four four west longitude next to mount archuleta is rumored to be an undercover facility engaged in secret activity connected with mount archuleta you know these rumors are just further stating that the ranch has an eight armed guard which towers and is scattered along the property in addition, there is unusual round steel and an air-conditioned building located behind the ranch, ranch entrance gate along the opposite side of the property. And now, regardless if this is true or not, because it is, how dare you speculate? Fucking say, it's the most ridiculous kind of <laughs> confession that, like, you know, so what? We put this air-conditioned ranch out in the middle of nowhere and, like, so what if you, like, want to, like, call us out on it? It's not that weird. People like to hunt, which in all reality is kind of true. Because Mr. Redding, the CEO of the steel company itself, which is a steel company, the same company that built the little ranch shed base cabin itself, listed as builders on the building or oh, sorry, Mr. Redding, the CEO of the steel company listed as builders on the building stated that there were watchtowers and there are hunting stands specifically with the brand name, the ultimate hunting stand. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it kind of makes sense to me though. You got this place out in the middle of nowhere at a bit of a higher elevation and you're bringing in moose and a various amount of wildlife. And you kind of put a ranch out there. Honestly, there's a ranch in the Grand Canyon that you can, like, take a mule to and then do a whole hunting thing with. Like, it makes sense to me. But regardless, Amazing. the hunt, the hunting stand on the ranch that we're discussing here, close to Archuleta Mesa, which is right near the Dulce base, are there 
proven to be weatherproof, heavy, gauged steel construction, about five feet in diameter and about a hundred, oh sorry, 850 pounds. They are equipped with 10 feet high steel angle frames, steel ladder or steel walk-up type stairway with steel pipe, hand railing, propane heater, and a tank. A five large one-way mirror pane glass hinged and latched windows that hunters hunters can see out but game cannot see in swivel chair and an indoor outer door carpet that swivels as well and a side wall hmm. they state that these stands are used for photographing game and birds and hunting game as well including deer elk moose sheep turkeys and according to the published literature in the late 70s and 80s the stands have been in production since 1963 and employ 75 years of hunting and 60 years of steel fabrication experience and they're designed for all weather hunting. I just want to point out that the only bizarre thing, so we just have to point out here. Have you ever seen pictures of this base? Um, like the not anything inside, really. No. Okay, literally there's nothing. Yeah, like it's, I've never so, seen like the halls or anything, the tunnels, I mean. There's... There's nothing. So, like, so this, it's kind of, I'm going to, I'm going to combine all the information here. So you are here in the center of things. And when you're looking out towards the Dulce base, what you see is a mesa. You see an exposed cliffside with a nice plateau, not much tall tree or lumber. You see a small town. It's a reservation, really. Nothing fancy. It's not a fancy town. It's a very simplified, almost kind of like 1950s town. I never really grew up in that sense of things. Uh, what's the Gentrification kind of stayed away from this place. Okay. And when you're in the town, you're literally looking at the Mesa. And they have TV towers, radio towers, and just a vast amount of nothingness. And so when people get on top of the Mesa and they're dealing with the area that is accordingly based on what the abductees kind of say is the hub of the area, which we haven't even gotten into yet, there's like this random bizarre cabin. Okay. Which makes sense to me in a strange way because once again with the Grand Canyon, you know, like can go to the Grand Canyon and it's like an it's like a like a uh, when you go to cruise and they uh, do uh, excursions mm -hmm. you know so you got the Grand Canyon and this excursion is going down to the canyon in a, on a mule and going to this hunting camp and experiencing this whole experience and so I'm trying to equate that as I'm reading so many articles about this little camp I'm trying to equate it to that but it's like we're talking like mega reinforced even when you go into the Grand even when you go into the Grand Canyon, that shit is like rusted old nasty ass wood shit. Okay, <laughs> like it's not that fancy. And so here we are in the middle of northern New Mexico on the Archuleta Mesa with nothingness around. And there's no like natural like a tourist attraction to the area apart from aliens. And you have and you <laughs> I can't. And you have this like hyper, hyper, hyper strong 
reinforced hunting cabin from a CEO of a company who never goes to this area mm. and hunts. Why the it fuck makes does perfect he sense. have it? It makes perfect Why sense. Why does he have it? Oh, it's, you know, it's a hunting cabin because I, I okay, all right, all right. I'm pretty sure I mentioned it at a later time, but the point is, is that at some point he admits, oh, it's there because, you know, my workers needed a place to sleep. Girl, <laughs> girl, girl. Okay, like, come on, you, your workers don't need a place to stay for three months that's, like, steel reinforced. Let's be real. Like, like come on. Come, he really come, wants come on. those workers to be protected. And I'm telling you, when I fell down a rabbit hole, it was almost about this point. Yeah. Because I was like, as I'm reading things and I'm trying to be realistic and I'm trying to be objective, I'm like, hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, it was annoying to me, to be honest with you. <laughs> so further, the stands are used for photographing game and birds and hunting of game. Now, according to published literature, the stands have been in production since... 1963 and employs 75 years of hunting and 60 years of steel fabrication experiences for their all-weather hunting. Now, I might have said that already before, but I think it's important. Now, with us knowing the tech for nuclear drilling is absolutely possible at this point, it is entirely possible, according to a geologist who visited along with a team of UFO hunters, that if an underground base was constructed in this area, even with the collimatory basalt being as fragile as it is, and as long as it is, if it was drilled from the bottom in and down, it's completely attainable. So, like, obviously, if you're not going in from the top of the mesa and drilling down, mm-hmm. you're not really going to have as much of an issue if you're going in from the bottom and you're just kind of drilling down. Now, the structure itself... Of the facility details seven stories, each floor with its own purpose. The deeper you go, the more confidential and controversial the reported events are. Betchel had a maintenance office and facility in the base from the beginning. There would be frequent minor collapses in the naturally formed areas of the base, and having Betchel on site 24-7 made clearing and strengthening areas extremely fast and efficient. It also meant that external contractors did not need to be brought into the base from the outside, which might or definitely would pose as potential security risks and also draw unnecessary attention from local communities. The base was extended significantly in 1977. This work continued for around three years. The purpose of the extension was to uh, essentially double the size of the first three floors. For the extension, external help had to be brought in. All contractors' machinery were brought in via the tube network. Very normal. All of it. You know, here's where we, like, divide that fine line. The extension was constructed by exploding large cavities, which were then joined up. Once the perimeters of the three new floors were constructed, engineering began digging inwards to construct and strengthen the floors itself. This was all still happening before the big boom in the 70s. Everything is still kind of being constructed as something workable in the environment and geology of the ground itself. This method of construction was called the Four Corners Method, due to the fact that it began by exploding cavities in four corners. It is entirely pure coincidence that the base itself is located in the Four Corners area. Do you know where the Dulce base is? 
not like directly where it is. So I've, if you look at it on a if you look at it on a map, it's in the northern part of the of northern New Mexico, yeah. and it's literally a shake's leg away from the actual Four Corners, which I think oh. of you of. So, because didn't you stand on the Four Corners? No, Michaela and I never ended up standing on the Four Corners. We just went. Oh, you never. We, did? Dro- we drove through and we went to the uh, Grand Canyon, but we didn't stand on the Four Corners. Well, if you stood on the Four Corners, you would be directly above the base. I wish. Right? In the photos released to the public by whistleblowers, they literally show you the excavated area where the access platform was said to be built. Inside the tunnel, you can see the tracks on the right-hand side of the wall. Now, these are photos I'm going to include in our post, because this is important. So, I'm going I'm to try and describe it as best as I can. So, when there was a whistleblower, he released a series of photos after his death. We'll describe that later. The excavated area shows the track on the right-hand side of the wall. The tracks are normally usually on the floor of the tunnel, but when construction work takes place, they can easily be moved up the walls and locked into position to allow easy access for workers and machinery. It's pretty dope. You may question in these photos why there is a standard-looking track in the tunnel and not some electromagnetic system. Well, while some of the lifts and transportation devices on levels 5, 6, and 7 were powered by electromagnetic systems, the systems on level 1, 2, 3, and occasionally 4 were more recognizable technology. The reason for this is that they would be important for visitors frequently coming to the facility especially on a regular basis. These visitors usually had no idea about the nature of the facility itself and were just told about its secrecy, and they were only shown the first two levels. Some visitors did go down as far as level four. Levels one through four simply were not big enough to require a vacuum shuttle system, unlike many of the deeper levels, which we will get into in regards to size later. That said, the shuttle systems on levels 1 through 4 were still very different to what you'd see in the outside world, both visually and performance-based. So what you were looking at is, yes, a train track, but a train track that was able to be moved magnetically up and down the wall. So, like, in general, let's talk about the levels. I mean, after all, that's the the meat and the potatoes, you know, for most people who are like, oh, what's the basic like? What's going on? So the meat and potatoes, you know? So like, overall, there are hidden ventilation shafts in the caves, which come to the surface in hard-to-access rocky ravines. There is 35 feet between each level, with each level varying in ceiling height. There is said to be an aerial exit in southern Colorado near Breton and the in the facade of the cliffs. Now... We're going to get into the levels. I mean, that's what we're waiting for, right? It's it's what we're here for. (laughs) Level one includes the control room, which houses the security and communications for the facility. And it is said that thousands of cameras and sensors are all throughout the facility. Each area is connected by passageways. And the first level itself starts 200 feet from the surface and is seven feet tall in regards to ceiling height and is 3,000 feet wide. There are magnetic elevators that use the lod, the lodestone as an energy source. So the first level 
tapping into the actual mineral composite, the composite of the surrounding area is just a general welcome, welcoming palace for those who are just like coming in, coming down, coming into a standard government facility. You get in check. There's some cameras here, some white walls there. Makes sense. It all kind of fits. Level two houses a variety of government offices. After arriving on this level of security, you are stripped down to all of your clothing entirely gone and they perform biometric scans and they weigh you hmm. it is assumed that in case you try and smuggle something out they can tell down to the ounce and like milla ounce <laughs> the ceiling height as well on this floor is seven feet tall i feel like this is important to note because when they talk about the facility itself being like two like two miles deep you often wonder like why it's so big when there's only seven floors and so it's important to note the size and diameter of each floor. So the first floor is seven feet tall. The second floor is reported to be seven feet tall. Level three, simple as pie, is literally referred to as the computer bank. And it contains command control, intelligence, and once again is also seven feet in diameter. Or sorry, seven feet high. Level four is assumed to be where many of the exotic research takes place. Human aura, telepathy, hypnosis, dreams. Both alien and humans collaborate to monitor these experiments. In fact, many recollections of those who claim to be abducted describe that while many of the tools used on them seemed otherworldly, much of it also seemed very terrestrial such as the medical tables and the lighting fixtures. It is the opinion in much of the community and that of the whistleblower, Thomas himself, that the humans were taken to this facility, to this floor, without consent, and after the testing was completed, they would reprogram and send them back where they would experience their time delay. Very common abduction story. Once again, the ceiling is seven feet tall. Itty bitty. Level five is where human test subjects are said to be housed for the extended period of time. While some alive, others seem to be floating in vats of yellow and mucus-like liquid, mm. whole or in pieces. When Thomas, the whistleblower, which we're going to get into later, reported the events of what he saw, he drew images on the paper that he was provided of what he saw and also claimed that while this floor was haunting in its own way, the reasoning for the collection was for more than educational. He stated that many of these parts from humans were kept preserved as food for reptilians. Oh, perfect. The ceiling as well is seven feet tall. Level six is unanimously referred to as the Nightmare Hall. Mm-hmm. Humans experimenting on aliens. Aliens experimenting on humans. Genetic experimentation and splicing were also performed here. Samples and information learned is and was used to create monstrous mutations that seem to spill over into cryptid mystery. Thomas claimed that while he was a witness, he saw rats with human faces, <laughs> humans with wings, claws, and webbed feet seven and eight feet tall humanoids all of which were kept in cages screaming and crying for help 
but the humans who make it to this level, which is heavily speculated because most of the time when you read many reports, humans are not on this level. You do have communication and security cameras so you can see what's going on, but it is heavily speculated that humans are even involved on this level, let alone <laughs> in existence. So like, regardless, they're regardless of who's there, they're instructed. This is a common, common thing that I'm finding They're They're, they're instructed to not acknowledge or help them. The idea is that on this floor, you're, you're kind of housing, you're kind of housing the, the genetic and mutated sad creatures of things. And while they're screaming and like begging for help and for you to kill them, you just have to ignore them for the sake of science. Yeah, of course. Anyways. It's anyways, how all good science is done. Yeah. Anyways, the ceiling is 45 feet tall. That makes perfect sense. You got the side, you got your perfect gray alien size, your, your small grays. And then you got like good old reptilian and then stacked yeah they're stacked like size ceilings and then you got your giants it's perfect so you go you go from you go from level five which as that's reported in many events is is a standard kind of like flooring when you're looking at a building and then you go like level six with all this experimentation in the nightmare hall and all these sad things. And it's just like, it's, it's almost, it's, it's turned into a storage room. It's tall. It's wide. It's black. It's dark. You don't know what's lurking so in level, the corners. Level seven. Here we go. Has its, has its remainders of the level six experiments along with cold storage vats. It is on this level where it is said that the reptilians spend most of their time. Ah, that's right, that's right. evacuated and soulless bodies of the humans in a classic body-snatching horror show. (laughs) The reptilian can read your frequency and know your intent, which we broadcast through our electromagnetic impulse or personality when we are calm and in control of our thoughts. Reptilians, though, cannot access our minds, unlike the greys. I just want to say how important it is and we don't talk about reptilians as much in this episode or even the extent of the grays because there's just so much about the facility itself and like the area and the surrounding areas but my stay tuned the (laughs) fucking reptilians just there's there's no being friends with them let's just put it this way what we know is literally though all because of two people the first being phil schneider Born April 23rd, 1947. He was a self-taught geologist and explosive expert. He is known as a person who worked for many years in collaboration with special services of the United States and had access to information of the third level in the facility. Schneider was able to take part in the construction of at least two underground bases and for the so-called secret government. As well as in the construction of the th- of thirteen deep seated military bases underground, two of these were major, including the much rumored bioengineering facilities such as Dulce, New Mexico. Seeing how such projects were financed, for whom they were being built, and that the basic rights of people as well as the U.S. Constitution are violated. Schneider broke off any relations with the American intelligence services and returned 
all of his awards in 1994. After that, he began working as an ordinary geologist, combining work with the revelatory performances that he once obtained. He talked about underground bases, top-secret alien technologies, and the threat to humanity that those who would seek to establish a new world order in the direction of aliens hostile to the people would carry them. To popularize the information disclosed in the last two years of his life, Schneider spoke a lot in public, traveling around the USA and Canada, and even visited England and Japan. He criticized the government, which kept its citizens in the dark. In 1995, at a regular lecture, Schneider said that over the past 22 years, 11 of his best friends had died. They knew something about the so-called government conspiracy theory. At the same time, eight out of 11 episodes were officially recognized as suicides. Coincidence? I think not. I think not. <laughs> Phil said that he was one of three people who survived the shootout that occurred in 1979. I go very vaguely into this topic because of just how much other info there is. Yeah, we've barely to touched the aliens. Honestly, honestly, honestly. There's We're what? Let's see, an hour and a half in, and we've barely talked about aliens. I'm sorry, guys. Like, <laughs> honestly, like you can't you can't talk about one thing without talking about the other. So, all right, Phil said that there was one of three people who survived the shootout that occurred in 1979 at an underground military base in Dulce between representatives of the American intelligence services and aliens. As a result of the influence of the alien weapon, Schneider got a dose of radiation and subsequently fell ill with cancer. On January 17, 1996, Schneider was found dead in his house in Wilsonville, Oregon. He was lying on the floor next to the piano, and a tube from his own catheter was wound around his neck. Hmm. Complete suicide. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. On the floor with your own catheter. <laughs> yeah. You can't just... It's unbelievable. It's literally... It's, isn't it like a, a human reaction to like rescue yourself as you're dying and suffocating? Yeah, like, that's why it's... you kick the bucket out or the chair or whatever out from underneath you when you, you know, like hang yourself so you don't have a way. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it's, it so it's ridiculous. However, according... To the report, Schneider was shot dead by police officers who came to deal with a large number of unpaid taxes and fines. <laughs> and during the dialogue, Schneider began to behave menacingly, grabbed his weapons, and thus left the law enforcement officers with no choice. Are you ready for this? There are two police reports. One is a suicide, one is a murder. Well, one is one is a fire bite, like a death bite. What is it? Death by police or death by cop or... Suicide by cop? Suicide by cop. That's what it is. Can you believe it? And they're still <laughs> out there accessible. Whatever the reason behind Phil's death, there's no denying that he was a peculiar interest to the FBI and CIA. According to his widow, intelligence agents thoroughly searched the premises shortly after his death and made off with at least a third of the family photographs. Ah! It's definitely a normal tactic. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. The best part is, is the second person who seems to be the most famous. 
is said to be responsible for the most of the information pertaining to the layout. And this is Thomas, Cost Thomas Costello, a security officer who worked at the base. Costello spoke of terrifying collaborations between humans and aliens that took place in this huge secret facility. He worked at the Dulce base until 1979. By the way, that was around the period when it was starting to reach its peak. So, like, it was it was heavily worked on upon in the early 1960s. It was established in the early 70s, and it was working on its peak over the next decade. When he said he could no longer tolerate working there after gathering a strong understanding of the disturbing and inhumane projects that were being undertaken in the base, he claims to have left the Dulce base. He gathered security video footage and various documents as evidence of the underground facility. Before hiding the original documents, he made five copies of them using go-betweens. He distributed them to the UFO community. These documents became known as the Dulce Papers. Sorry, Dulce. I do, I do <laughs> the same thing. And contain what is said to be evidence that the underground base exists and provides insight into the terrifying experiments that have been ongoing there for such a long time. The Dulce Papers contain more than 30 monochrome photographs and video evidence of these activities. Costello spoke out about how he planned to escape from the base after coming to the realization that he was putting himself into an extremely dangerous situation. With this in mind, he put his wife and family into hiding. He claims he planned on collecting his family again, but knew that government agents would be waiting, forcing him to flee. In 1971, Thomas claimed he had started working for the Rand Corporation in Santa Monica, California. In 1977, he is said to have been transferred from California to the Dulce base in New Mexico and started living in Santa Fe, where him and his family bought a home. He commuted to, a, he commuted to his work at the Dulce base on an underground shuttle system similar to that of the tube train. Costello made some unimaginable claims about the goings-on at Dulce Base. He claimed that over 180,000 greys, alien greys, the shorter greys, as was described later, were at the facility and several hundred reptilian humanoids are, that are also known as the Draco were considered as co-inhabitants of this one base in Dulce. Costello described an underground base in quite specific detail, explaining that it had seven sublevels, explaining how most of the aliens worked on levels six and seven, whilst the five was mainly made up of aliens living in accommodation with other humans. His descriptions of the activities began being carried out at the Dulce base included experiments into telepathy, dreams, hypnosis, research into human auras. He said that the aliens have the capability to separate the bioplasmic body from the physical body and replace an alien life force with it. Mm. And he can remove souls, which is exactly what the reptilians need to <laughs> remove our flesh and bodies. The reptilians is honestly, it's one of my absolute favorite conspiracies of like, not like... <gasps> reptilians exist we need to get out there to form the world but it is just like oh just oh oh it's one of the top it's the cream of the crop it's just the like body salt snatches. of the earth just amazing i i, I love it i love it it's the it's the body snatches mm -hmm. 
What is that movie? Is it Return so, of the Body Snatchers or something like that? I can't remember. Anyway. Isn't it Attack of the Body maybe, Snatchers? Maybe that's what it is. Mm. Well, so these good. horrifying claims he spoke about in genetic experiment, experiments began carried out on a variety of different life forms. Genetic experiments overall in this facility being carried out on fish, mice, birds, seals, and humans. <laughs> on level six of the facility, known as the Nightmare Hall, he described how the products of these experiments were stored in huge tanks that contained multi-limbed humans and spoke of a room filled with cages holding tall humanoid bat-like creatures. Oh, the bat. <laughs> in Costello's own words... Level 7 contained row upon row of thousands of humans. Human mixture remains and embryos of humans kept in cold storage. I frequently encountered humans in cages. Usually they were dazed or drugs, drugged, but sometimes they cried and begged for help. We were told they were hopelessly insane and involved in high-risk drug tests to cure insanity. We were told to never speak to them at all. He also claimed that he had information describing similar bases throughout the solar system, some located on several of the moons of Jupiter and Saturn. The aliens, both greys and reptilians, have been on Earth for thousands of years, and they don't necessarily have a host like have hostile environment like our hostile intentions towards humans. More apparently, the aliens are primarily far more interested in the magnetic power of the Earth itself. And the energy they have and the capabilities there is to harvest. Which brings us back to the geology of the continental divide itself in New Mexico and surrounding states. This long, deep and extended, pun intended, area is chock full of mag magnetic and high energy water drainage systems. The land on one side divides and drains to one ocean or sea. The land on the other side of the divide drains into another sea. In this case, in North America, the continental divide divides the drain to the Pacific Ocean on the left and on the right side in the Gulf, you know, the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic Ocean. Magnetite crystals are shaped like tiny bar magnets as basalt lava cools. Remember, what is, what is the mesa? composed of and what is the continental divide composed of the basalt and the like the columnist materials itself as basalt lava cools the magnetite crystals line up in a magnetic field like itty bitty tiny magnets when the lava is completely cooled the crystals point in the direction of the magnetic north at the time they are formed it also contains a tremendous amount of ferromagnesian silicates a mineral that contains iron and magnesium itself a ferromagnesian sheet silicate material typically present as fine crystals and forming the low temperature metamorphism of mag of mafic rock is developed so overall as well visually with this think about all these magnets forming in one place in the united states think about a giant space rock think about an asteroid flying towards earth like its destination 
final destination is Earth. Meteoroids can enter the Earth's atmosphere as fast as 72 kilometers per hour. That's 160,000 miles per hour. They do not start to slow down as they move through our relatively dense atmosphere until they hit. The beautiful light in the sky when a meteor flies overhead is due to ablation as layers and layers of the meteoroid are vaporized via high-speed collisions with air molecules. Then, if the space rock makes it all the way to the ground, it collides with Earth, creating shatter cones, impact craters, and other telltale signs that a meteorite has hit here. It is an intense geological process, with high temperatures, high pressures, and fast particle velocities all coinciding in one time. All of these things that happen during this intense process and the impact itself creates and forms plasma, a type of gas in which atoms are broken, in, broken into electrons and positive ions. When you have an impact at its tremendous velocity, at this tremendous velocity, as soon as there is contact with that velocity, there is a change in the kinetic energy into the heat and, and vapor and plasma itself. A lot of people understand that there is heat, maybe some melting and evaporation, but people don't think necessarily about the plasma. What was found here was all that plasma did was something weird to the normal magnetism of the rocks, and it left an impact area where the magnetism was around 10 times less than what the natural levels of magnetization would normally be. So naturally, with the geographical location of this base, the reported number of natural and unnaturally made tunneled veins, abductions, witness, and government involvement, who's to say the theory itself of an underworld within our own hollowed earth is impossible? If it is you, literally open your mind a bit more, because if you don't, the greys are going to do it for you. <laughs> ba -ba -ba. It's just, it's just so important to note that last bit because there's like, there's so much information about all this, but one of the big speculations is, oh, why there's, oh, there's so much I left out too. Like, like, oh, why, why are the greys here in New Mexico? Why, why are there reptilians here in New Mexico? Well, technically, if we want to talk about the Illuminati and the government, <laughs> we can talk about, we can talk, <laughs> we can talk about the deal that was made in the late thirties to help them migrate here because the society and formulation of the world that they had built in Southern America was collapsing and they needed a safe haven. And so the continental divide literally provided them with everything they needed. And then some based on what we had and the greys and the reptilians did not communicate with one another. And so the reptilians who were reported to be living already in Northern America during and in between this continental divide, we're not communicating with the greys of, of, of South America. And mind you, the rest of the fucking world, it was all very underground and, and subterranean. And it's not as advanced as one might think. And I feel like it's very explainable when you're thinking about hiding from massive civilizations. And when the U.S. government made a truce with the greys based on previous... Uh, um, uh, crashes and alien uh, craft sites that were actually reported in the late 1800s. I think it's actually quite possible that we offered them an opportunity to come to Northern America 
to provide us with the technology that we could use to strengthen and excel our civilization our, our civilization and give them exactly what they needed in a magnetized heavily like formulated perfect area for them and also collaborated and caused them to develop a society with the reptilians who obviously hate everybody i you know i there's so much to it there's just there's so much to it there's there's just oh it's real. Yeah. I know it's real. It's so... Th- this is the thing, you guys. When when tackling the subject of things like aliens and conspiracy theories, <laughs> they all play into each other. So you may be sitting here wondering why the fuck, like, this episode is, you know, going to be probably like two hours long it's because you need like if you if you want to understand anything about what we talk about with the aliens that are going on there you need to understand this base the The perception of this base you need to understand yeah there needs to be a base layer and the base layer is dual set let's not talk about just let's not talk about just the folklore behind some fascinating legends of people having a monstrous like alien fight underground in the 70s let's talk about why that would even exist in the first place let's talk about why it is this this belief is able to survive and pass on from conspiracist to conspiracist from believer to non-believer to everything is because there has to be bits of fact that people can cling on to and so knowing these facts knowing like things that are like okay this is documented proof this is this then you can make your own decisions about things cat and i know where we stand we know where our beliefs are (laughs) we're not trying to convince you we're giving you the information that is out, you know, about the dual state base. What's what what um what everybody's saying, and it's it it takes a lot. It is it's a big undertaking, and that's why there's going As to I be was... multiple episodes of things oh, along yeah. this nature because Honestly. it is not a one and done thing. It is, and if, I mean, if you've ever spent any time talking to an alien conspiracist or believer or anything, or spent any time listening to Coast to Coast, you know how much infighting there is (laughs) and how much everybody like believers hate each other because they don't believe the exact same things even though they're in the same weirdo group but everybody's fighting nobody's friends nothing is certain it is just a clusterfuck and that's how we like it that's that's the that's the point of it too because like you create this you create this unbelievable environment around something once again bringing us back to the beginning you create something that's just so out there and in your face that it's unbelievable yep yep because the best way to hide something is right in front of you honestly it's classic it's a classic and and true and a tried but true trope mm-hmm. yeah but regardless that's that's what i got for today guys and I, I guarantee you i'm gonna i'm gonna revisit the topic at some time soon i appreciate your patience and letting me just kind of like jab on about it. And, I loved oh, it's this. It's so fantastic. The research, and th- that's the best part about like when you finally like, oh, yeah, like you, you broke your seal. You finally like went on your deep dive alien hunt of research and, and ridiculousness. How do you feel? Do you oh, feel smarter or do you feel I'm, worse? <laughs> I feel worse. I feel sick. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel like, I feel, I feel, I, I feel. I feel like I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> you know, like, like, I don't have time to question this much, but here we are. Oh, my God. It's a lifelong battle. 
you know, it's, there's never, you never stop learning. <laughs> but I like, appreciate you guys listening to me, honestly. Oh, I appreciate you and all the fucking hard work that you put into this. This has been great. This is so good. I, it's been really nice to be able to just sit back and listen to all of the hours and time that you've spent in, you know, looking into this and the brain cells lost in doing this research. It's fantastic. One might one might blame the men in black later episode. That is a whole yeah. That is a whole other thing. There are so many I think we're, like, I think, people I think who we're claim done, guys. I think I've met think men in like, black. It's been it's been good. I think I think in, in, in my in my perspective this is a shift in my life. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna see how we're many, now here. How many I wanna see how many triggers I can get at my work computer before somebody from IT messages me. And it's like, are you okay, bro? Like, is everything okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, we've noticed some disturbing behavior. <laughs> All right, guys. We love you so much. Thank you for sticking around and listening to this. We are going to have more along these lines very soon for you. And this has been great. This has been perfect for, you know, sticking with spooky season and fun extraterrestrial bloobity blah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and, and honestly, you know, if you want to connect with us, we have a couple of different ways now, and the platforms are only getting bigger. You can uh, hang out with me on Twitter, um, at Cat and Laney, as well as occasionally I monitor the Reddit uh, little little area. Occasionally I post to Instagram. You know, we're, we're developing our website, which is pretty much done. We're just going to release it on New Year's. <laughs> Honestly, we're, we're going we're gonna to hit every platform by the end of the New Year's as well. And we're just going to enjoy ourselves. Yeah, good time. we're both active. We're both out there. So reach out to us. You can also get a hold of us at our email at contagiouscuriosity at gmail.com. Say hello. Send us stories. Send us weird things that have happened to you. What's going on in your life? Do you have any creepy stories? Do you have any Halloween fun tales to tell? Were you abducted by aliens? Were Send you abducted them. by aliens? If so, we if so, let me. Know. If you want to fly me out, I can embrace you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a big girl and I'm awfully warm. I don't know if that works for you, but it works for me. All right, we love you guys. We hope you have a great rest of your week, and we will be back in your ear holes really soon. Cheers. Cheers. In 2001, in a supermarket that was supposed to show daily meat specials, hackers in Dresden, Germany streamed a sex channel for all to see.